Good morning. It is good to be back with you. Kathy and I got away after Easter and had some good time getting refreshed, so it's good to be here again. Uh, if you haven't seen it in an email, we're having a fire pit at our place on the 30th for singles, so if you'd love to join us, there's a sign up in the lobby and there's a place in one of those emails to sign up online, so we'd love to spend some time with you on the 30th. We are going to go back to 2 Timothy. Um, Easter was so much fun. I, mean, we, I don't know if you saw the pictures or if you were here, but it was so much fun, but we're going to go back to 2 Timothy, and uh, I have been impressed with how much this book speaks to right where we are in terms of the different kinds of things that we're going through. Um, we're in the second chapter, and if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the first part of this where Paul says to Timothy, share the things that I've taught you with faithful people, faithful men, and they'll be able to share it with others also. And the idea of multiplication is clearly there. I mean, think about why we're here this morning. We, we wouldn't be here this morning if the first generation of believers hadn't shared it with them and hadn't, they hadn't shared it with somebody else. And like, there's a process by which we share the good news. And so Paul is teaching Timothy about that and encouraging him in it. And then he uses those pictures of the, the soldier and the farmer and the athlete. And then there's that hymn that's right before this passage about faithfulness and God's faithfulness. But we're going to look at verses 14 to 18. And Paul says to Timothy, strongly warn them in the presence of God. That sounds serious, doesn't it? I, we know the scriptures have good things, but he, he says something to them. He says something, to, he writes something to Timothy that's preceded by strongly warn them in the presence of God. Like bring them right into the presence of God. Like, like, so it's really serious. So we need to think about what we're going to read today. It's important. So would you pray? Ask the Lord to teach you, and then I'll pray for us as we get into the Word. Father, there is a purity and a power to your Word when we read it. And we always need your help. So I just ask that you would set, help each of us set aside distractions and be able to hear your word this morning. And would you minister your word to each person exactly where they need it, as you know their heart and their life. And so I just pray, Father, that this would be helpful. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So verse 14 says this. Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. So there's two big ideas here. One is remind them of these things. We need reminding. And the second is this charge about wrangling about words. So let's, let's talk about each of those. 
First of all, remind them of these things. You know things, but we often forget them. And I, I, um, I want to read a couple of things from my journal this morning. I, I don't like write a diary, but I try to write down things that, that, that impress me, and like things from the Word, or sometimes I write out a prayer. So I want to read you something in a minute. And one of the things I read as I looked back over 2020 was this idea that our lives run in the course of our strongest thoughts. So if you think that life is all about money, obviously that's going to shape your choices, right? Your, your life will run in the course of your ideas. Um, if you think your family is really important, then your life is going to run in that course. If you think your life is mostly about your job, then your life is going to run in that course. Our thoughts really do matter. And that's why Paul tells Timothy, remind them. They knew things, but they forgot it. So let me read you something. Um, I was looking back, and I thought, you know, as I was looking back at 2020, I thought, well, I didn't write much in 2020. And I discovered I'd actually written more than I thought. So I wanted to read you something. This is actually from November of 2019. I'm sitting in a coffee house, and this is what I wrote. I am writing out a dump list. A dump list is just, you try to get everything out of your head on a piece of paper so you can focus. So I'd, I'd done that. Much of it is about people. One item, though, is about the word craftsmanship. I've been watching woodworking on YouTube. Some are screwed in place, throw it together kind of people. Others are true craftsmen who work carefully and patiently. They take time to design and measure and cut and sand. They work with the wood in an understanding way. That is the way God is working with this world and with each one of us. Yes, we can jump off the workbench, we can avoid him, yet he is patient. So, so patient. Here's the real problem. We think evil is winning. We think chaos reigns. We think the universe is random. We forget God is bigger and more vast than the universe and that his goodness far surpasses it. It is infinite. We are perfectly safe, abandoning ourselves to his goodness. I don't need to do anything evil to make things the way they should be. So that all came to me in a coffee house. Now, did I remember that through 2020? No. I would have been good to have reminded myself of that. But you know things, and you need to be reminded of them. So what's something, right now, just shout it out, what's something that you know that you occasionally need to be reminded of? Say it again, I didn't hear it. Check the oil, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really important. What else do you need to be told that you know but forget? Not to fear or worry. Yeah, fear comes, fear is really easy. Right, what's another one? Can you say that again? Watering, yeah, you need to water your plants. You need to water your orchids. That is good. God loves me. 
That's, like, how often do we forget that? Think about Israel. They had all this experience with God, and yet they constantly doubted that he would care for them. So I want you just to think about what, what are you thinking, and then where did you get those thoughts? I'm not asking, like, what was I thinking? I don't mean it that way. It's like sometimes we don't even know what we're thinking, which is why I would encourage you to get a journal. You don't have to show it to anybody, and you don't have to read it to anybody, but I would encourage you to force yourself to put some of your thoughts into words. No one's going to check the grammar. Just write so that you actually can see what you're thinking. Because sometimes when you put it down in a, on paper and you look at it and you go, well, that's not true. And sometimes we let this stuff go around in the back of our head and we don't think about it. That's why Paul says, remind them of these things. Think of all the stuff that we've read in this book already and how good it would be to be reminded of that. Like God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and discipline. So, here's some practices I would encourage you in. What lessons have you learned? What's God already taught you? And where are they written down? I told you at the beginning of, of 2021 that I was gonna try this practice of writing out statements. I had some statements and I was gonna try to read them every day. Well, I haven't read them every day, but I've read them often. And as I was going through my journal from 2020, I, I had written some statements, you know, in the midst of 2020, and I wish I'd read them every day because they were encouraging. So it's easy for us to get forgetful. So what lessons have you learned? Where are they written down? Like, put them someplace where you can see them and then do something to remind yourselves of those things because we are all prone to forget the things that we need to know. Paul says, remind them. See, here's the second question. The second thing he says is solemnly warn them not to wrangle about words. So what on earth is word wrangling? Well, I came up with this definition. I could be wrong, but arguing about word choices in the face of massive wrong thinking and falsehood. So I alluded to this article. I got somebody via an email chain, I don't know how I got on this email chain, but somebody sent me this article, and it, the author of this article was criticizing our celebrity Christian focus. In other words, there's these famous Christians, they're authors, and we give them all kinds of credit, and she was criticizing, the author was criticizing this, and her case in point was a statement that Tim Keller made about a current issue of the day. He made this statement, he said, it's not a good idea. And she took him to task because it's sinful. So she was just irate that he had not called this sin. But my biggest problem with that is she just made this one statement. It was removed completely from the context. You had no idea what else he said about it. And so we were supposed to kind of all just get on the bandwagon of being against people who are significant and write meaningful books because of this one statement of his. I would say that's an example of word wrangling, that we're going to get all picky about that, and we forget about the issues that are faced us. We live in a world that denies creation. We live in a world that denies the fact that God made man male and female. 
Like that that's some kind of social construct rather than created by God. We live in a world that thinks we are the product of random choices. I saw something fascinating this, this week in an email I got. I get a lot of interesting emails, but an email I got that said that this group was putting together a $10 million prize if somebody could create a chemical system that would communicate information to something else, kind of like DNA, you know, that kind of a thing, without any design. In other words, that's the biggest problem with evolution, is how do, how do you get DNA and cell structure, because they're mutually dependent and they need each other. How does that randomly happen? So they're trying to say, if you can create an environment where that randomly happens, we'll give you $10 million. I don't think it's ever gonna happen. But you see, that's, that's the kind of world we live in where this, this, this crazy thinking, and then Christians, we get on each other's case for some word choices. It's like, this is wrong. And so Paul, he goes on and says this to Timothy. He says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. We have the word of truth. We have knowledge. And we've got the ability to communicate that in a way that honors God. So Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he said to them, speak the truth in what? In love. You are loving when you tell someone the truth. So if you were, if you were out on 460 and somebody was headed west and they stopped and asked you, how long till I get to Richmond? You would not be kind to say, just keep going. You'd say, you have to turn around and go east. You gotta check your GPS. What, did you put in Richmond, Indiana, or did you put in Richmond, Virginia? You, you can't, you're not loving when you don't people, tell people the truth. So, we be, but we can't be thinking constantly about how the world is gonna react. We have to think about how God is pleased when we love people and tell them the truth in ways that they can receive. So, this is our goal. Look to God for approval and then express that truth in loving and appropriate kinds of ways. And then Paul continues, but avoid worldly and empty chatter for it will lead to further ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenius and Philetus. Now we'll come back to those guys in a minute. So avoid empty chatter. So we've got to think about what fills our minds. Um, where are you going for information about life? Where are you filling your tank? Are the news, social media, celebrities, noted Christians, or God himself? Where are you going for truth? I came across another article. This, this one was somebody who had linked it to my, me on Facebook. And the article was, um, is the church losing the battle to form Christians? Now, some people don't like that word formation. They say... This is one of those word battles we can get into, like formational, that's kind of some Eastern idea. No, the word formation is helpful. Paul says, do not be conformed 
to this world. The idea behind formation is to recognize that every single one of us is shaped by our experiences, by the things that happen to us. Now, we can be active in that, like you can go to school and actively participate in formation. You can take some steps to fill your mind with good things so you can be active in that formation process. But if you are passive, you are still going to be formed by the stuff that you are taking in. So that's behind this article. And it was talking about the struggle that churches have in helping Christians grow. And this is what it says. He says, all of this is even worse in a pandemic because the unseen nature of the search bar battle is even more unseen. In quarantine, Christians have been driven yet further into a fully online existence, drinking from the often toxic well of internet discourse in ways that poison their souls. Largely devoid of meaningful immersion in Christian formative practices, Christians are instead being formed in whatever online echo chamber they call home. We have to be careful about what we're taking in. I've I've talked to you about the dangers of social media because you're only going to see stuff you agree with. That's how the, the system works. And it keeps us from having a balanced perspective, and it keeps us from actually thinking sometimes. So... Paul says, avoid worldly chatter. What are we filling our minds with? We are going to be shaped by it. We are going to be affected by it. And then he says this about those two men. He says, these guys have gone astray, saying the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. Um, In that culture, Greek culture, resurrection was not a good idea. They wanted to be free of the body. Like, the body was a problem. And so the idea that you'd get a new one was like, oh, that's not good news. And and so these guys were saying it had already happened. They were kind of doing away with it. And it was destroying people's understanding of the gospel, of, of truth. And so that's why it was suspect. So let me just kind of summarize this and remind you that Paul is saying to, to Timothy as a leader in this church to do this and to warn them to charge them in the presence of God. So here's some things. We need to stay grounded in truth. Check your sources. We joke about, you know, it's true because it's on the internet because we know that that's not true, and yet do we check our sources? Let's be thoughtful about truth and understand that from the scriptures we have a basis to evaluate that the scriptures are true we need to watch how we talk about and with other believers let's not get caught up in petty word battles when significant issues are at stake let's not get this fear mindset about certain kinds of just trivial issues when there's larger things at stake. We need to be seeking God's approval. We need to be careful where we look for truth. And then finally, we need to be careful about what fills our hearts and our minds. The truth of the matter is we are all being formed. We are all being formed, every single one of us. The question is, are we aware of the influences that are forming us or not? And the invitation that Jesus gives us in following him 
is to follow him in intentional practices by filling our hearts and minds with the word and being together in community. I was talking with a neighbor recently and we were talking about how we had all not been going to church and in, in, in being a part of church and he talked about how he didn't realize how much he missed it until he started going again. And, and he, just, he just said, I needed it and I didn't even know how much I needed it. And so that's why the practices that we do to create environments where we can be together are so powerful and so important. So I leave you this instruction with Timothy and I ask you to think about what's the step that you need to take. What are the things that you know that you need to remind yourself of? What are the practices you're doing to fill your mind with truth? And are you in any kind of online echo chamber that's destroying you or tearing you down? Get out of it. Change the practice. But Paul's instructions to us is to warn us in the presence of God to be careful about this because we don't want to destroy our faith or the faith of others by being careless with this. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you for the truth of your word. That When we come to it, it just speaks to us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that applies it. So I pray that for this kind of broad group of ideas from this little passage in Timothy, I pray, Father, you would take what's important to each person, to their heart, to their situation, and you would help them act on it and apply it this week. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.